Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus in this place. Front to back, left to right. We glorify you. We honour you, Jesus. We exalt you in this place. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How are you doing this morning? How's this side doing? That side? People in the middle? Party people. All right, take a seat. Praise God. What a fantastic honour and privilege it is to be here with all of you beautiful people. Um, But I just want to take a moment to honour your senior pastors because how many know you have great senior pastors in the building? Honestly, you do. Uh, So as uh, Pastor Sulve was saying that um, they are my uncle and my auntie. So uh, I've known them my whole life. And I can tell you they're as phenomenal off the platform as they are on the platform. And if, you know, I said this when I preached in the live stream last year. Big shout out to our tech team. Where are our tech teams? Give us a wave. You ne- they never, never, no one ever applauds them, but the last 12 months have become the most important part of what we do. Hallelujah. But I mentioned this in my live stream, but I think it's really sad that one of the uh, parts of, of life where we tend to see the least honor right across the world over the last couple of decades is actually in family, which is where I think that we should be seeing the most honor. So allow me just for a moment um, to honour your senior pastors because they're not just uh, people in my world. They're my uncle and my auntie. And let me just say, on behalf of all the family, on behalf of all the fabs, we honour you. We love you. Our family is better because you two are in it. Our family is more significant because you two are in it. And you have carried breakthrough that my generation and the generations to follow are the recipient of. So as a family member, let me take a public moment before God and all of these people to say, we love you, we honour you, and I'm so proud and blessed that you are not just somebody in my world, but you are my family. Come on, let's give them a moment. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't jump on a plane and fly from one side of the country to the other to just tick a box and do church. I could have done that at home, but I am here to encounter the presence of God. I want to hear the voice of God, and I know that this is a church where the presence of God moves. How many know what I'm talking about? This is a church where we hear the voice of God. It doesn't matter that I'm preaching. I want an encounter as bad as you do. It doesn't matter that I've got the microphone. I want to hear the voice of God like you do. So come on, I'm going to pray right now, front to back, left to right, because the Bible says if two or more are gathered together, I'll be with them. Is there anybody here for Jesus this morning? 12 of us, right? Which is more than enough. So if you are here and you want to hear God's voice, maybe you're a full-on on-fire-for-God Christian and you know what happens when you surrender the atmosphere to Jesus and He speaks, breakthrough comes. But maybe you're also here, somebody might have invited you, you might have seen a cute girl walk in and you followed them in there and you're sitting down here right now and you're thinking, I'm not sure if God is real. Well, here's what I would challenge you with. Give God the next 40 minutes to prove himself, right? He is not intimidated by your disbelief because even though you're not sure if he's real, he believes in you, he is for you, and he wants to do something in your world. So this is what we're going to do. I want everyone to close your eyes. 
I don't want anyone to look around. If you want to hear God speak, right? Maybe you're on fire for Him and you love the sound of His voice. You know what happens when He moves. Or maybe you're here and you're not sure if He's real. If you want God to speak and you're going to surrender the atmosphere of your chair, I just want you to raise your hand. My hand is raised. I want God to speak to me too, like I said. Dear Jesus, we just pray right now that you would begin to move in this place. God, we surrender the atmosphere to you. We enthrone you in the atmosphere, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we release you over this crowd. And we pray right now that you would just give us a taste of heaven, a touch of heaven, a Cadbury favorites of what heaven is going to be like when we get there. Tell, help us press into your presence, Lord God. Do something significant in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let me tell you a secret about pastors, right? Now, they won't tell you this because they're too humble, and they're too godly. But we all have a bucket list of churches we hope to preach in before we die. Now, we don't tell anybody that because it sounds very, you know, up yourself. But we do have a bucket list of churches that we hope to preach in before we die. And this church is one of my bucket list churches. I have grown up thinking maybe one day I will get invited here and I can preach here and I can tick that off my list. So you can imagine when they said that I was going to come here to preach, I spent time praying and I spent time fasting, saying to God, Lord, give me a now word for the church. Give me a word, Lord God, that will change people's lives. Give me a word like Pastor Ted preaches. So I was hoping that the Lord would speak to me from Malachi or Zephaniah or Obadiah or some strange part of the Bible that Pastor Ted preaches from. Because how many know you have some of the greatest preachers in Australia in a church? I'm not just saying that. That's not something I say in every church. And the technical boffins will be able to verify it. If you look for my IP address, you'll see I regularly tune in and I regularly download podcasts for no other reason than it just replenishes my soul. So I'm pressing into God. I'm like, God, I just want a real, like Pastor Ted would, a real, you know. And I prayed. And God drew me to one of the most commonly preached, well Warn everybody knows that parts of the entire Bible. I mean, this is a part of the Bible that any preacher worth his salt has preached at least once, if not two or three times. I've preached it a couple times. Anyone that's been a Christian for a while has read it, has studied it, knows all about it. But how many know that the first step to breakthrough is obedience? So I started to look at this verse. If you've got a Bible, the book of John, chapter 5, John, chapter 5, if you've got a physical Bible, all the physical Bible people give us a wave. Come on, we know they're closer to God. They're getting to heaven first. All of the digital Bible people, get your apps out. Come on, Android people, iOS people. It's amazing you got here using Apple Maps. Praise God for that. But you're here anyway. You've got to scroll through. It's in the New Testament. But maybe, like I said, if you're new to church, you don't have a Bible, you could actually Google this. If you look at John, J-O-H-N, space five, it'll come up. If you've got one of those fancy Bibles that can pick your translations, I'm reading from a New King James Version, John chapter five. We're going to be reading verses one to nine. When you've got it, say, got it. If you need a minute, say, I need a minute. I'll wait for you. It's good. I promise. It's like a good steak dinner. You've got to wait a little bit, but when it comes out, it's juicy. All right, John chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, you don't have any reception. I brought my Bible. I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. This is this common part of the Bible. But as I started to read it, something weird happened. Has anyone ever had anything weird happen to you? Nobody. The west of Melbourne, nothing weird's happening. But up here, in, I'm from Queensland. Everything's weird in Queensland. Hallelujah. I've got giant pineapples and bananas and all kinds of weird stuff. So I read this part of the Bible and something weird happened. You'll understand if you read along with me. This is what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. Everyone say a pool. Which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after having stirred the water, was made well by whichever disease he had. Pause. So I was reading this scripture, preparing to speak to all of you beautiful people. And the Holy Spirit stopped me right here. And he said to me, what's wrong, Phil? I said, Lord, I know this scripture back to front. He said, do you? I said, Lord, I do. Everybody knows this scripture. He said, do they? I said, yes, Lord, they do. He goes, you know this scripture really well. I said, I do. Now, give us a wave if you've ever tried to have an argument with God. Come on, honest hands. 25 honest people, a bunch of other pure godly people. The problem with arguing with God is you can't win because he's very smart. He's quick on his feet. You know what I'm talking about? You think you're like, I've got him, and then he shoots something back. So I'm, I'm wrestling with God on this. He goes, you know it. I said, oh, Lord, I know it so well. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, tell me one thing about that place. I said, what do you want to know, Lord? He goes, anything. Tell me one thing. I said, well, I know you went there. He said, that's something about me. That's not something about the place. Tell me something about the place. Tell me one thing, seeing as you know it so well, Phil. I didn't know anything about the place. I said, Lord, I don't know anything about this place. He said, okay, why don't you go do some research? Because there's something that's just happened here and you've missed it. And if you get onto that, it will change the way you read the rest of the scripture. Now, these glasses are not for show. I know some people wearing cool glasses, they bought them on eBay. It makes them look intelligent. I actually use these, right? Which means I'm a level 10 nerd. If you look through my YouTube history, you'll see retro tech, computer programming, all that kind of stuff. So I love research. Give us a wave if you love research. Four people in the crowd. Come on, my brothers and sisters. And so I was hooked on the possibility of something weird that I had to research to find. So I did some research and I found something amazing. The first thing I found was that this particular part of the Bible is referencing a place that is actually real. This is not like a parable, which is like a story with a good moral. This is not like a poetic thing, like picture language. This was a real historical place. So this is an eyewitness account. Archaeologists for a long time suspected it was real, and they hunted and they hunted and they hunted, and then several decades ago, they actually found and dug up the place. So we got a photo of this place, maybe zip back here. So that's actually what it looks like. That is the pools of Bethesda, the Sheep Gate, right? That is the actual place. You can go there today. You'll get COVID, but so, so don't. So that's why I brought a photo, right? You have to get a vaccinated. It's all kinds of crazy, right? But that is actually what it looks like. So I save you the trouble of 14 days quarantine. Send me your love offering, right? So um, that is the actual place. That's pretty big, right? So I looked at it. Maybe I'm not as godly as you being from Queensland. What I thought was when I looked at that, wow, what a cool place to commune with God. There's angels turning up to that place. There's staircases and all that kind of stuff. I thought that, is, that looks like a really great godly place. And if you thought that like I thought that, you would be wrong like I was wrong. It is not a godly place. It is demonically infested. It is one of the most evil places in that whole area. It's actually a cult site. Ooh. 
What kind of cult site, you ask? I'm glad you asked, because I've prepared something to say about this cult site. It is a cult dedicated to the god, lowercase g, Asclepius. Have we got any vets in the house? If you work in the veterinary world or you've got a friend that's a vet, that is the patron god of the veterinary industry. So Asclepius, let me tell you about Asclepius. For those of you who do not spend all your spare time in quarantine watching the History Channel, let me fill you in. So Asclepius, Asclepius is a a, a god in the Greco-Roman religious system. They believed that he was the son of Apollo and Apollo, they believed, was the most high god. So Asclepius is the son of the most high God. Now they believed that Asclepius was incredibly powerful, but there was two particular things that they would teach that Asclepius was incredibly good at. He moved powerfully in healing and he moved powerfully in the prophetic. And what they would do is they would build these temples, right? These cult sites wherever they found natural hot springs. Anyone been to the Mornington Peninsula hot springs? They've got some great ones out there. There's some awesome stuff out in Northern Territories, some good stuff in Malaysia. There's hot springs all over the world. And there's hot springs all over this part of the world. And so they would build on the base of this hot spring a huge temple to Asclepius. Then what they believed would happen is once a week, Asclepius would come down into the temple, into the water, and stir the water. And the first person into the water would get healed by the power of Asclepius, the son of the Most High God. Now, I find it very interesting. Although archaeologists to a secular struggle with the spiritual angle of that, so they say it must have just been the um, mineral properties in the water because people were getting healed. The Bible does not dispute that. In fact, the Bible does say that there's an angel, a fallen angel, who did come in and stir the waters. But I'm not done yet. You see how big this temple is. So when I first read that, I thought to myself, if only one person a week was getting healed, why is it so big? Where are the rest of the people going? What are they doing? And I learned something. In the inner sanctum of this temple, right near the water, there was a place. And the priests of Asclepius would give you a little mat to roll out. And you would lie on the mat in the inner sanctum because Asclepius was not just the God of healing. He was the God of prophecy. And you would lie on this mat and you would wait for Asclepius or his serpents. That's what what they believed. To visit you and give you a prophetic dream, a prophetic vision, or a prophetic word that would unlock your healing so that you could be healed even if you didn't get into the water. Now, this is not a place that a good Jewish synagogue boy would hang out on the Sabbath day, and yet Jesus turned up to this place. So I started to think I could preach about the fact That Jesus is not intimidated by darkness. Because I see a whole lot of Christians sharing a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook, posting a whole bunch of stuff on social media, how they're worried about the election in America. They're worried about the laws in Victoria. They're worried about all of the other stuff that's happening around right now. And I am here to tell you, as part of the body of Christ, we have nothing to be intimidated about. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. We should be bold and confident, not cowering and praying and waiting for Jesus to come back. We still have more work to do. There are still more people to save. I could preach that, but I won't. 
I thought about, I could preach about the fact that Jesus turns up to the place where demonic power is on full display, ready to do something even greater. See, sometimes I have noticed with us as Christians that when we have seen the work of the enemy, maybe you were believing to save your job and you lost your job. Maybe you were believing for your kids to stay on track with Jesus and they've walked away from Jesus. Maybe you're believing for healing in an area and it hasn't worked out because the enemy did something. We can lower our expectation and lower what we're believing for Jesus to do. But you see Jesus, if you give him an opportunity, will outshine and outclass the work of the devil and make what he does look like a cheap parlor trick in comparison. Ooh, I could preach that today. But I won't. Because I thought I should do what God told me to do. And I went and I reread the rest of this story. It'll knock your socks off. Come on, let's go back to the scripture together. Because this... This is good stuff. Now a certain man, so imagine Jesus is walking in here. Now a certain man who was there, who had an infirmity 38 years, everyone say 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Pause, nudge the person next to you. The writer of this scripture is nudging us as readers saying, are you ready? I'm about to show you that Jesus is the true prophetic voice, a better healer, and therefore the authentic son of the most high God. Ooh, I love this. He said to him, this is Jesus talking, to the man that he's found lying on a mat in the inner sanctum who's waiting to hear from Asclepius or one of his serpents. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Pause. So Jesus sees a man who has been here for 38 years. That is a long time. And the question that Jesus asks him is, do you want to be made well? Which is a very odd question if you think about it. Now, the interesting thing was, I don't know what you're like here in Melbourne, but in Queensland where the sun beats down on our brain, when I read scripture, I try to imagine it like a mini movie. I try to imagine myself in the story and watch it all played out and I realize something. See, I have been to historical sites like that. And one of the things that I've noticed when you're in places like that is if we chuck that photo back up, everything echoes. Has anyone ever been to like a big tunnel going into a football stadium and yell out and it echoes? It doesn't say that Jesus whispered. It doesn't say that he wrote on the ground. It says that he spoke to him, which means there was a whole lot of other people listening. Now, I don't know about you. Whenever I hear someone give a prophetic word in church, I am listening to wondering, does this apply to me as well? Maybe they got the wrong person. That's a pretty good word, right? And so there's a whole lot of people who are in the inner sanctum who are waiting to receive a prophetic thing that unlocks their healing and they would all be paying attention to Jesus and what he is about to say and this is where I realized something I am the paralyzed man in this story because every single one of us hello can we get real we spent six months in lockdown let's not pretend every single one of us has at least one part of our life that's a little bit paralyzed at least one part of our life where we feel like that isn't what it should be at least one part of our life where we feel like i wish god would do a miracle there and maybe it's been that way for such a long time you have just said that's normal that's who i am that's the way it's supposed to be jesus is speaking a prophetic key right now so that you can get your healing and I can get my healing. 
But what he does is weird. Because he doesn't give him a typical prophetic word. He doesn't give him a dream or a vision. He gives him a prophetic to-do list. He gives him three things that he needs to do. They're the three things that if we do, we can receive our healing, I believe. Are you ready? This is what it says. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, everyone say immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. So there's three parts to this miracle. Everyone say three parts. First part, everyone say number one. Rise. Rise, 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 rise. Now, I was thinking about this. That's a very odd prophetic clue. That's a very odd piece of instruction. That's a very odd thing to tell a guy to do who is paralyzed. In fact, when Jesus had asked him about him being well, he pointed out that nobody was there to help me. And then Jesus, in hearing that, in hearing the need, in hearing the situation, presents the solution to the problem. And you know what the solution is? If you do something, then I'll help you. Which is a bit weird. Because that's not what I would have said if I was Jesus. So I stopped and I began to think, why did he say this? And then it started to hit me. See, this guy was partly responsible, you could even argue wholly responsible, for initiating his own lack of progress. Let me prove my point. If you were lying there and you knew the love of your life could get married to another guy or another girl and you just needed to get healing, if you knew that your career was in shambles unless you got healing, if you knew that you were basically homeless unless you got healing, and the only difference between you and all of those things was getting from here to the seats, what would you do to get there? Now, maybe after a week, if you said no one was there to help me, I struggled, okay, I'll buy that. Maybe even a month. But how about six months? Well, how about a year? Because see, if I was lying there for a year, hearing the groans and the cries of all the other sick people, I would have tried something. I mean, I would have called up Ted, offered him a bribe. I'll come and work for you for six months. Just help me get from here to here. I would have called, this guy must have had a mum or dad at one point, right? Maybe he's an orphan. Surely they had brothers and sisters. There's other family members. Who could he have called to get from here to here? The only difference between every single breakthrough that he's hoping to receive in his entire life is getting from here to here and 365 days and nights he has been waiting and he can't get there. First year passes. Second year passes, he's still on this side. Third year passes, can you imagine you've been there three years? Now that girl just got married to another guy. Now that guy just found another girl. And you're thinking, I've got to get out. Your business opportunity is drying up. Your bank account is dwindling. You've just got to get from here to here. Five years passes, five years. Your friends who were single are now married and they've had children and their children have had birthdays. Five years and he hasn't moved from here to here. 10 years passes, 10 years, he hasn't moved for 10 years, 15 years passes, he still hasn't got from here to here. Now at this point, I'd be offering anything, wouldn't you? I'll work for you for five years, just throw me in the water when the angel comes. 20 years passes, he's still in the same spot. At what point do we say that he has a part to play in this? 25 years passes, 25 years he had friends who were now gotten married, who've now had kids, and their kids are having kids. He's still there. 30 years passes. 
hasn't moved for 30 years, 35 years, 35 years, 38 years. I study the life expectancy of a typical person from that part of the world at that time in history. Do you know what it was? About 38 years. So an entire lifetime, he's right here. He just needs to get to there. And so Jesus says to him, do you want this? Like, really? Like, I can do it, but do you want this? And it wasn't because Jesus was being cruel. Jesus understood something that we often don't understand when we have an area of paralysis. What Jesus was actually saying is, mate, do you realize after 38 years, the world outside looks a little bit different to where you left it? Do you realize if you leave here, every single thing in your world changes? And if you are really ready to embrace change in every single area, you need to actually initiate it. Because from what I'm seeing right now, you're comfortably uncomfortable. Hello. You're happily unhappy. Hello. And so Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, yes, I can heal you. But are you sure you want me to change everything? Because healing is going to change absolutely everything you've known for the last 38 years. You've lived a lifetime like this. And if I do what you're asking me to do, it will mess everything up. See, I think sometimes the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers is because we don't really want what we're praying for. Oh, we want that quick sin, but the change that's required, you can't change and stay the same at the same time. You're either changed or you're the same. You're either healed or you're not. And so everything changes when God responds and gets you to rise. So God points at you and says, do you really want this? It's not that I can't do it. It's do you actually want what we're talking about? You know, last year, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of lockdown, my wife and I were approached and asked if we would be senior pastors for this church in Brisbane. And I don't know Brisbane well. I'd never been to the church. I couldn't check it out because it was the middle of COVID. I'd never been to that suburb. I'd never even been to that whole part of Brisbane. I didn't know anybody up there. I didn't have any friends. You know, can we just time out? Can we have some real talk here in this place? Because if, if you hate me, I'll just go back to Queensland. It's fine. <laughs> the easiest part was just following the call of God. That's the easy bit. The hard bit was realizing that in my mid-30s, I was completely starting again. I was going to have to make new friends, establish a new support system, find new schools. I wasn't going to know where anything was. I was going to get lost all the time. I hadn't gotten to know the church first, so I was no doubt going to say some dumb thing on stage and not realize I offended people. All that stuff, I had to actually start again. And Jesus talks about which of you would build something without first stopping and counting the cost. So he is saying to this guy, stop and count the cost of what your healing is going to bring. And we have to learn as believers to stop and count the cost of what we're actually asking of God. And I know many of you know what I'm talking about because many of you moved from another part of Australia here or you moved overseas to here and you know what I'm talking about. It's a big adjustment coming to Australia. I mean, when Ted and my mom and the rest of my family came to Australia, you eat Weet-Bix for breakfast, which is like baby food for adults. And then you get to lunchtime and they give you a Vegemite sandwich. But you know... They were willing to count the cost. And I'm so grateful I'm a recipient of that. I love Australia, by the way. I'm Aussie through and through. I was, um, 
Krista was watching TV the other night, my wife. She was watching one of those matchmaking shows. I mean, come on, let's not be too spiritual. I know you watch it too. I pretended I wasn't watching, but about 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she said that. And there were all these people, right, who were in their mid-30s or 40s who said they wanted to get married, but they were so happily single that in reality they self-sabotaged all of the dates that they were on. And I think so often in life we don't really want what we're praying for, and so we self-sabotage it when God tries to bring it. So God says, all right, I won't bring it at all. Do you actually want what God is bringing you? You say, well, Phil, I'm not ready to walk. That's okay, but can you at least rise? Well, Phil, I'm not ready to step into it yet, but can you at least embrace the future more than you can embrace the past? Can you be more for the things that you're saying yes to and step back from the things that you're saying no to? Come on, if you believe it, say amen. What bold, crazy prayers are you playing at the start of 2021? It starts with you rising. You have to initiate it. And then God responds. Number two, everyone say number two. Take up your bed. This is a very odd thing to say if you think about it. Why not rise and walk? Why take up your bed? What a strange thing to tell somebody to do. How could that possibly be linked with his healing? Why even mention the bed? Why pack it at all? So I started to think about it. See, if he was rolling up his bed, he wasn't going to come back there. It was actually about moving on. Ooh, hello. See, if you change... You can't go back. You have to be willing to move on. Jesus is saying you can't be freed from jail, jail and then rent it like an Airbnb. He's saying, do you actually want to be free? Do you want to step into the season that I'm bringing to you? Or do you want to stay where you are right now? Because if you want to go to where I'm calling you, then you need to move on. You got to pack up your mat. You got to roll it up. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to stop while everybody else is watching you and roll up your mat? You know, that sounds very obvious, but think about it from his perspective. He's been there 38 years. He would have had friends on the front row. He would have had people that he knew. He would have had habits and systems and relationships and a whole kind of bunch of things that would have kept him going. After all, he has already lived longer than most typical people in that area lived doing it that way. And Jesus asks him to roll up his mat and move on. And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't rebuke him for that, which says something to me. Jesus is teaching us here one of the most important principles you can learn as a spirit-filled believer, and that is the ability to prophetically read the seasons. You have to be able to read a season because while some things are forever, a lot of things aren't. Some relationships are only for a season. Some cars are only for a season. Some jobs are only for a season. And you have to know when the season is up so you can roll up your mat and move on to the next thing. I think it's particularly important for this church, this point, because when I was praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, that he's about to shift seasons for Faith Life Church. He's about to do a dynamic shift. I felt like the Lord say accelerated growth. It's going to offend some people, but I felt like God said it was like a church on steroids. And that what would take three years before would take three months now. What would take three months of planning, God would pull together in a few weeks. And the thing I saw in my spirit was a building for this church. And I felt the words over the building, permanency, hello. 
but are you willing to roll up your mat if we do that? Oh, Phil, I want a thousand people in this church. That's cool, but then you won't know everybody. Are you willing to put up with that? We have to be willing to roll up our mats. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. Some things can only take you so far. You know what I've learned? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will provide friendships, business relationships, finance, strategic thinking, legal breakthroughs, all of the stuff required if we learn to press in in faith. But we have to be able to read the seasons. Hello, if you go to the beach uh, in summer with a big jacket and a whole bunch of pants, it will not be good for you. If you go to the snow with speedos, it will not be good for you. You will get sick. And there's a whole lot of Christians in this world, not in this church because you're more spiritual than they are. There's a whole lot of Christians in this world who are spiritually sick because they are not reading the seasons and they're walking into the room wearing the wrong thing at the wrong time. So we got to develop that ability as Christians to read the season that we're in. All right. Got like three minutes to go. Number three. Everyone said number three. Last point. Walk. Jesus told him to walk. That's a very odd thing I thought about. That's probably the weirdest thing that he actually said. Jesus, he rose. He's clearly healed. He packed up his mat, which proved it to everybody else. Why tell him to walk? And then I realized something. The miracle is in the walk. The miracle is actually leaving the place. Because I know plenty of Christians that are praying to Jesus for a legal breakthrough, but then make the same mistake again. Pray for Jesus to help them get out of one relationship. They get into one that's as dysfunctional as the last one or worse. And we tend to repeat these habits. So Jesus is saying, don't repeat the same mistake by saying in the same spot. The miracle is actually in the walk. Walking out of there. Can we throw that photo? See, there you go again. You think he was down near the bottom. He had to walk to the top. He hasn't used his legs in 38 years. So he's walking up the stairs and it's hard, but he's got to keep going because he doesn't want to stay there forever. He's saying goodbye to people. They're like, where are you going? I've been healed. I'm walking. Hey, it's been great. Except not you. Your dad jokes were terrible. I'm not going to miss those. And you keep walking and walking and walking. Yeah, but where are you going to go? We have our weekly talk on a Tuesday. I'm sorry. I can't stop. I'm walking. And they keep walking and walking and walking and walking until he was out of the temple. And there's a whole lot of Christians I know have responded to an altar call, have been healed by God. God has done something extraordinary. But you know what they forget to do? They forget to walk. They get distracted by people on their way out the door. They get distracted by relationships and they end up back in the same place. Even though they're healed, they're stuck in the temple because they forgot to walk. And so Jesus is saying the real miracle is in you walking out of there. You've got to walk. Can I get the band up? You've got to walk. Oh, it starts with the rise, sure. You've got to be able to stand up when everybody else is saying, sit down. That's tough. Fair call. Then you've got to roll up your mat while everybody else is watching. People wondering what's going on. They're asking questions. You've got to roll up your mat. That's hard. I get that. I understand. But then you have to walk out of there. Because if you don't walk out of there, 
then what was the point of your healing? See, he, Jesus didn't heal him so he could stay in the temple. He healed him so he could go and embrace the change that Jesus was bringing into his life. So I want to pray for two groups of people with the last couple of minutes I've got. First group of people I want to pray for are people who need Jesus. I'm not asking you for Facebook status as Christian. I'm not asking what you tell your parents back home. I'm asking is Jesus Christ the Lord, which means he's in charge. You do what he says. And Savior, which means he's forgiven you for every single thing you've ever done in your whole life. I'm asking is Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. So I want to do is I'm going to get everyone to close your eyes. That's not because we're real spiritual. It doesn't bring you closer to God to close your eyes, but it is going to give people privacy because this isn't about me. I'm just some guy from Queensland. This is about you and Jesus right now. So if you need Jesus, either for the first time or if you're honest and what's actually happened in your life is you've kind of taken back the driver's seat. Maybe over the last 12 months, it's just gotten a bit hectic. And so you're like, I'm going to call the shots, Jesus. I'm, I'm kind of cool being Lord. So maybe you've even prayed this prayer a hundred times before, but even as I say these words, your heart is beaten hard. It's like Jesus knocking on the door of your heart going, this is your moment, this is your moment, this is your moment. So while no one's looking around, while everyone's got their eyes closed, if that's you and you need Jesus, either for the first time or the hundredth time, I want to pray for you. Here's what we'll do. Make it COVID safe. You stay there. I'll stay here. But just so I know who I'm praying for, if that's you, and you're like, Phil, pray for me. Can I just get you to slip up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for? Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Don't go out of this place 99% sure. Go out 100% sure you're cool with Jesus. If that's you, come on. I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you. I see that. 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 Anybody else? Thank you, I see that. Anybody else? Come on, come on. I'm here one day and then I'll fly back home. If that's you and you need it, yep, thank you. Come on, you can put your hands back down. We're gonna pray a prayer. It's a repeat after me prayer, so it's easy. You can't stuff it up. It's all good. You just repeat after me. But what I'll do, so you don't feel alone because you're joining the family of God. Hello, I'm gonna get every single Christian to pray along with us. And hey, we're in a church, there's heaps of Christians. It's not going to be weird. It's going to be cool. Are you ready? All the Christians in the place and everybody who raised your hand and even those that didn't, but you know you should. Come on, are you ready? Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my life as Lord and Saviour. Help me to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, let's give a hand to all of those people who made that decision. You made the best decision ever. You should definitely talk to Pastor Ted or Pastor Silve or any of the team that you see up here or around here on your way out. If you made that decision, if you're watching online, inbox them, shoot them a message. This is the best decision you ever could have made. The next thing I want to do is actually believe that there's an anointing in this place for an unusual miracle like we just preached about today. So I am going to do the exact opposite of what I typically do in an altar call. Normally we dim the lights and it would be mood lighting and all my wrinkles would disappear and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the miracle like down here. If you're here and you need to rise, come on, you need to say no to a whole bunch of stuff and yes to defeating that area. I'm not going to ask what it is, but if that's you, maybe it'll only be one person. Maybe there'll be 20 people, but come on, if you need to rise, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Right now, right now. Come on, come on. If that's you, if you can't rise in here, you won't be able to rise out there. Come on. Now, normally, 
we'd be like packing our bed up and no one brought a mattress or a swag, which is good because that'd be real weird. So this is what we're going to do. That moment is all about surrender. If you need to pack up your mat, I just want you to stand up and throw your hands in the air. Surrender that bed to Jesus. Surrender that place to Jesus. Jesus, I'm not gonna stay there anymore. Jesus, I'm not gonna stay that anymore. I'm ready for my healing. I'm ready for that paralysis to disappear. I'm ready to move on from that moment. And the last group of people are people who need to walk. Come on, if you need to walk out of that temple, if you need to walk away from that paralysis, if you're saying, Jesus, I'm committed to that change, what I want you to do, I want you to get out of your seat and I just want you to find a space. You can go in the aisle, you can come up the front, you can go up the back. It's not about me. I don't need to lay my hands on you. It is about you making a moment with Jesus. It might only be one person. It might be three people. It might be 10 people. But if you need to walk, I want you to get out of your seat. You are telling Jesus because He's watching right now. Jesus, I want want your healing. Jesus, I'm not just going to rise. Jesus, I'm not just going to roll up my mat. Jesus, I'm going to walk out of there healed in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Hallelujah. Right now, come on. I want you to raise your hands to the air, front to back, left to right. In the Name of Jesus, I declare healing on every paralysis, on people's businesses, on their marriages, in their friendships, in their finances, in every area. I bind the work of the enemy in the Name of Jesus. And I declare healing, 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 healing in Jesus' Name. 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 Hallelujah, in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Jesus' Name. There are, um, there are some people here, the Lord is telling me, young professionals, if you are under the age of 40 and you're in the workforce and God's calling you to climb the corporate ladder, I wanna pray for you right now. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. It might only be one person, but if you're like, man, I need... God to help me do that. I believe there's a Daniel anointing that's about to break out over you. So come on, if you're young and you want to punch through, it doesn't matter if you're on stage, off stage, I don't care. I want to pray for you. That's it. Come to the front, brother. Come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. That bloke wasn't shy. That's it. Yeah, jump off the stage. I don't care. That's fine. Come on, raise your hands in the air. I was in the corporate world before I was a pastor. I got to tell you, these guys need God's anointing. I believe I felt it in my spirit. There's a Daniel anointing upon people. He will give you breakthrough. People will call you names and you will just shrug it off as you step into what God has got for you. Raise your hands if that's you at the front. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I impart a Daniel anointing to every single person in this place. I declare right now, advancement is coming. Advancement is coming. God will give you favour. There's somebody here, you do like sales and marketing, God is gonna bring you great increase in those areas. As you haul in a load, God will give you favour with people that you do not believe that you're gonna have favour with. God will give you a voice into parts of the business. God will give you breakthrough in parts of the business and He will enable you to build His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You will serve people that you don't agree with, but God will give you favour with them anyway. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. For this young lady who led worship at the front, I believe that God is gonna give you favour with government entities. 
He's going to give you divine favor with government entities. You are going to sit across from people that you fundamentally disagree with and God will open up their hearts like a flower and you will speak into them and they will receive what you have to say. Favor, favor, favor for this young man. International business. God is going to use you. You're actually going to have offices in multiple parts of the world. You're going to fly between them. Actually see you witnessing with your drivers when they pick you up in different locations. You're going to be like an evangelist assassin or something. He's just going to send you in there and be like, bang, 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 bang. Hallelujah. Who's got grandkids that are away from God? Raise your hand if you've got anyone here with grandkids that are away from God. Is there anyone here with grandkids that are away from God? I'm going to pray right now for people. What have I got? Ooh. I've got a minute and a half or two minutes to go. We had a lady in our church last week who came to me and she had a family member over in South America who was dying of COVID. I mean, just, it was bad. She showed me the photo. Doctors had given up. Any hope they said of her being healed would require a breathing machine. They had no breathing machine for her. I said, it's okay. We don't need a breathing machine. We have the power of the true healer, Jesus Christ. And I said, I'm going to get you to stand as a proxy for her. And we're going to pray and God is going to heal her. A week later, she comes to me. She shows me the photo. She's been radically transformed by healing. She's been moved out of ER into a normal ward where everybody can come and see her. The doctors have no explanation, but I have an explanation. It's Jesus Christ. If you have a family member that is away overseas or interstate and they're ill in any area, it doesn't have to be COVID. Come on, I want you to raise your hands. If you've got a family member that's ill in any area of your life, could be uh, 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 somebody in, could be in Brisbane, could be in South America, could be in Africa, could be anywhere. Come on, I want you to raise your hands as a proxy. You stand in the gap and intercede for them in Jesus' name. God, right now, I pray for every single one of these family members. I declare, Jesus, even though we're not there, You are there. You are the true healer, the true prophetic voice, the true Son of the Most High God. So in the name of Jesus, God, we lift them up, Lord God. We curse the sickness in Jesus' Name. And we declare that Your healing power is coming upon their body from the top of their head to the bottom of their toes. Breakthrough in healing. God, I pray that it would be a testimony of Your goodness, a testimony of Your breakthrough, a testimony of what You can do with a life. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. And with my last 30 seconds, I wanna pray for this church. Come on, if you're believing for accelerated growth in this church, if you're believing for influence in this city, if you're believing for a permanent location, I want you to raise your hands in the air. But here's the thing. Don't pray if you're not prepared for the change. Because maybe rolling up your mat is gonna look like God's gonna say, I want you to write a check and that might hurt. Maybe it'll mean starting to serve and you don't serve right now. Maybe it'll be a location that's five or 10 minutes from here and that's just that little bit further than you want. So be prepared, God is watching. But if that's you and you wanna see God do something great at Faith Life, I want you to raise your hands. Come on, I'm gonna get everyone to pray. It's not my prayer that has power. It's anybody that's a believer of Jesus Christ. Come on, I want you to lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice. Come on, pray like we're Pentecostal in this place. 
pray in your heavenly language if you don't know what to say. Lord Jesus, I declare right now a prophetic shift in seasons. No longer wanderers, Lord Jesus, but they are settling into their permanent home. So right now we lay in in the heavens and we declare in the spiritual realm that a building is coming. Permanency is coming. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God, I pray for favour with finances. I pray for legal favour. I pray for favour with counsel, Lord God. I pray for favour with a location, Lord God. And I declare right now that You provide all our needs according to Your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 